This is the Going in Circles podcast, hosted by Horseman Chuck Simon. To become a sponsor, to suggest topics, or for questions, email goingincirclespodcast at gmail.com. And log on to our Facebook page, Going in Circles Podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Simon. Tonight is Monday. Monday means Big Monday. Here with my co-host, Mr. Barry Spears. Barry, how are you? Good, man. How's it going? It's a new week. It's a, it's a new time, you know, energy. We need that. My energy levels are low. Maybe not as, as low as the, uh, the poor parents who are struggling trying to teach their kids and uh, still actually, you know, like work and do all the other things. Oh man, dude, you have no idea. That's that's my main source of pain these last two weeks. See, my main my main source of pain this week was the driving at the Meadowlands with the uh, the, the B class of drivers, not the A class of drivers, and some uh, some interesting interesting steers. And I, I vowed that I wasn't going to bet the amateur races, which I did not, but some of the regular races look like amateur races but no one really wants to hear about two things my Meadowlands misadventures and people's fantasy teams Oof. but yeah, uh fantasy teams are yeah i'm already worn out with that nonsense. i i needed 1.6 points tonight from uh james connor or uh what's that guy melvin gordon gordon yeah so if i can't get they two get if i can't get two points between those two tonight then I'm, i might quit that too Anyways, um, we had a little bit of news today, and it's been a sort of a newsless week in that the racing was um, essentially the only major league racing we had this weekend was Kentucky Downs, which got canceled on Sunday because of, uh, of rain, and the card is rescheduled for tomorrow, Tuesday. So we had one Kentucky Downs card uh, of note, and uh, the Woodbine, the annual uh, Queen's Plate, which was held Saturday, which was won by uh, number Lucky 13, what was? was, uh, Mighty Heart. Mighty Heart, yeah. Um, I can't say that that will go down as one of the more rousing renditions of the Queen's Plate. Uh, Which which happens, and uh, I know that a lot of people, rightly so, harp on the, the riders in New York's lack of aggression in the early part of races, especially turf races. But uh, speed is still it's still dangerous. And uh, I was thinking this morning about um, there was a rider. It might be a little bit before your time in the sport, but uh, a guy named Early Fires. Oh, man. Early Fires. Uh, I remember Early Fires at Arlington Park Superstar. Yes, and he just loved to send horses. He wanted to be on the lead every race. And I, I was thinking, like, a guy like that, he he would probably do well here. 
in that he's probably never going to ride for Chad Brown or the people that seemingly hate the, to have their horses on the lead. But you could win a lot of races just by being aggressive and and stealing a quarter. Because, you know, the thing is, it, especially in the, in the distance races or e- even in the sprints, if you have a horse that's got some quality and you can steal a quarter mile, then the margin, the difference between winning and losing in so many of these races is, is so small that if you can get... Uh, an easy quarter, or even sometimes an easy eighth of a mile, just kind of steal away a little bit, and and be able to hold on. Um, because horses, I, I mean, of course they're all individuals, but I think horses hold on better than they 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 pass, and that some yeah, horses, some horses will get to a point where they're not gaining anymore, and they'll kind of throw in the towel and and some of that might be the jockey as well but um it's just uh it's just interesting to me that that um speed isn't as uh prevalent it, it seems and this is kind of a a blanket statement but i mean think about a guy like Baffert who has been extremely successful, I mean, at the top, top, top of the game, mostly with horses who have speed. I mean, Baffert is not, um, Baffert's horses break sharp and they get in the race, and of course, he, he was a quarter horse guy to start with, which which means he knew that the gate itself and the break was, was you know, much more important to quarter horse guys than it is to thoroughbred guys, but but um, it's something that, uh, that to me is kind of interesting in that um, the way well, guys ride has, has changed a little bit. But uh, yeah, at the top, I should say at the top, because in the lower the lower tier tracks, it's still Kamikaze Central. But uh, yeah, you know, but at the majors, it's 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 almost like they're riding dirt races now, like they do turf races. Yeah. Right. Right. And and there is, I mean, listen. There's a huge percentage of, of turf races, now compared to the past, where you might have twenty percent of the card would be turf, or thirty percent of the card would be turf, and now most days at circuit like Naira, um, it's the majority of the races. Right, and and you know what's crazy is, you know, rarely, you know, this day and age. I I mean, I'm just thinking back in the last week or so where you would ever see a speed duel between two maybe three horses yeah hardly right. ever see it i mean you know back in the day 90s early 2000s you used to see it all the time you know where, where you know they took advantage of the horse's ability and and what they do best and they'd go at it um now i think it, it feels like they're trying to outsmart themselves and they're trying different things in races, and, and it's just not working out. And you end up getting one horse as lone speed, and they just run off. I think know? I think you're right, and I think field size has a little bit to do with that. And if you have a if you're in an eleven or twelve horse field, and, and you're one of two or three speed horses, well, you're going to look at the race, and you're going to say to yourself, "Well, I'm not going to outkick these these other horses, so I'm going to use my 
you know, my best shot trying to, to, you know, get to get to the lead, to be the speed of the speed. But, but like you said, these days, uh, guys take back. And I think another thing is that, um, I'd love to do the numbers on this. I don't know how the, I would be able to acquire them. Um, but the percentage of odds on horses has, has greatly I know the percentage of favorites has gone up a significant amount. I mean, from under or you know right around thirty-two percent to close to forty percent now. Yeah. And that's and and people say, well, it's only seven, eight, nine percent. Well, it, that's a huge, huge number. When, especially when you're talking about thousands and thousands of races. But um, I think the part with that is that. Is that when you have these horses who are three to five, sometimes guys don't try to beat them. And my dad, my dad used to have a theory: in a five-horse race with an odds-on horse, he would always use the odds-on horse with the two longest shots. And his theory was that the two longest shots are least likely to try to beat the favorite, and more likely just to try to pick up a check. And a lot of times, the second and third choice would would try to try you know. To would try would be trying to win and and would burn themselves out, um, trying to do so. And we we, I mean, cashed quite a few, t- well, quite know, a few tickets that, that were higher than we should have gotten. And it was it was almost no handicapping involved. And you know. it's funny you say that because I've always you know ever since I kind of figured out how to play the races, I've always never understood why the top two choices were always the smallest exacta. Right. It never made any sense to me. Still doesn't, in yeah. a way. Yeah. Um, you know, because usually those kind of horses, you know, the top two choices in a betting, in, in any race, typically have similar running styles. Yeah, I guess, I guess when you put and it that it, way, it's... It's very is... difficult for those two horses to run together and make the exact unless they're just head and shoulders above everybody else. Right. Which right. does happen. But it doesn't happen as often. You, know, I mean, it, it's it's crazy that, you know, I, I, I don't... Well, I, I see it happen sometimes out at Golden Gate where the, the top two choices aren't the uh, lowest exacta, but pretty much every time. <laughs> yeah, well, Golden Gate's also <laughs> a track that seemingly has... So I was talking about a guy, Sadatus guy. I can't believe this guy wins twenty percent there. And the guy said, "Chuck, the average field size out there is like five. So like <laughs> every, you know, you you have about a one in five chance of winning every race. Just you know, all things considered equal. Naturally, but uh, yeah. um, I, I, you know, the Stronic Five actually was canceled this week. That's like my 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 bet. Pete Iello has convinced me that I should be playing this and. The the payoffs for that are extremely good with the low takeout and and it's it's a tough sequence. It's always a tough sequence when you're dealing with three different tracks, especially two. Golden, um, Gate. Golden Gate really kills me. I mean, I just I'm at a loss at that place. But um, I mean, with the fires out there, they they had to cancel all weekend, and um, I mean, hopefully that that uh, burns itself out. I guess Santa Anita announced Santa today Anita that. Yeah, they're they're pushed back. They're opening for um, till the twenty fifth, I believe, and they're using Santa Anita's parking lot as a the Red Cross emergency center. So, so obviously that would take priority over 
over racing, but um, you know, with all these poor people's houses and stuff burning down, it's just yeah, uh, it's a mess. It's, it's so tragic. It's it's something. Uh, you know, it's something like where we live down here. We don't. There's not enough trees to get a good forest fire started. But oh, um, the trees are wet because it yeah. rains. Yeah, because it rains because we have hurricanes every every week. It seems like, but I and now that you know, I feel bad for the people in Louisiana getting hit by another hurricane that that kind of like didn't seem to be a big deal, and all of a sudden, it is a big deal. And uh, I know that last week there was a lot of um, people upset with Churchill Downs for not offering to open up the fairgrounds for horses that, uh, I guess there was 500 or something horses that were kind of um, homeless, more or less. And, of course, Churchill Downs as, uh, you know, caretakers of horse racing and and caring people uh, in the Louisiana horse community said, uh, no, so we don't care where you go. But, um, yeah, I, had, I have a feeling the, the lawyers got involved in that decision. And just said, you know what? It's not making. You know what? It's, money, they just they, they just that that's it. They just don't want to spend any money, and, and it's you know, I mean, the odds of them saying yes were like um, fifty to one. So it wasn't as though it was the decision that that uh, that could be um, considered a surprise. But yeah, it is yeah. what it is, and I mean, it's it's. Uh, it's kind of like uh, the the whole Breeders' Cup thing, where they. Uh, are not having fans they announced the other day. Yeah, it's um I mean, that seems like it was if if the Derby if Churchill wasn't able to conjure up a way to come up to have fans come up, um you would kind of make the assumption that that uh Keeneland wasn't going to either, especially in Kentucky where the governor seems to be scared of his own shadow. Uh, despite the numbers really never getting bad there, um, but uh, um, it's just uh, it's just a sign of the times, I guess, and sign of twenty 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 twenty. But um, it's gonna be a. I mean, I really haven't heard definitively what the European participation is going to be. So in terms of the, the turf races, I, I just don't know where we're going to, you know, where we're at with, with those because this is decidedly not a stellar group of American turf horses. I was going to say, if there's any time for them to come over and win, this year would be it. Yeah. Uh, if you but... had if you had a, a, a B-plus level European horse, you... You're nominated to the Breeders' Cup. You, you should consider coming because this is not a great. Uh, it's not a great year for for American turf horses for the boys. The girls are, um, a little bit better, but a lot of them are are showing some. Um, Rust or something. Yeah. yeah. You don't have that punch that you see, especially this time. You know, this time of year, where you know you, you can see a couple of horses just standing out, and they're all kind of. Know, pretty much around the same talent level you know nobody's really stepped up which probably end up being a better kind of gambling venture um but it, you know usually you'd like to see a little bit more star power i guess yeah i mean the races like you said the more horses able to win 
and big fields is is kind of what everybody's looking for from the betting standpoint from the you know from the 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 sporting aspect it's it's uh the distaff uh could come up big uh i haven't heard anything regarding um gamine if 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 she's going to be rerouted to the sprint or or what her plans are because she would make the sprint a little uh, a lot more interesting I mean, and certainly you would think that a mile and an eighth against a uh, Monomoy girl and um, Midnight Bisu and and all the other, you know, really tough fillies would, would not seem to be a great idea at this point either. But, um... Yeah, that's... That, I, I wouldn't do that. Not the way uh, Monomoy girl is in, in, uh, in form right now. She's yeah. going to be tough. Yeah, but the big news coming out of... Um, out of Maryland, actually, pretty much the only news this week was the Stronic Group deciding that they're not going to play the stupid song, uh, Maryland, My Maryland, because of, uh, you know, I, I don't under, one thing that bothers me about, about pe- racing fans is that so many of them are just stupid, and they're chicken shit, and, and they're, they're like, they have their head in the sand, and, and they just come up every once in a while to complain. I don't know a single person that hasn't lived their whole life in Maryland that knows more than one verse of Maryland, My Maryland. It sounds like the old Christmas tree song from from uh, Charlie Brown, right? And to me, songs are stupid. Like, having songs in horse racing is stupid. And it's meaningless, and it doesn't, you know, I understand the tradition of the old Kentucky home and all that. But the New York thing, you know, they've changed it a couple times. And if there's not a triple crown... It's not that big of a deal anyways, and it just sometimes seems seems a little contrived, and I understand they've been doing it forever, but we've been doing a lot of things forever in this country that we shouldn't be doing or we don't, don't, don't do, and someone was saying, well, you know, they started playing the song in 1909, I said, you know, in 1909, women couldn't vote, you know, so should we go back, should we go back to that, and, and it's just the idea that it's, uh, this guy wrote uh, on one of these thoroughbred groups uh, this big long diatribe on um, he took a poll and uh, the majority of people thought it should stay because you know blah 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 and it, it just is like can we at least just for once just do the right thing and, and people especially Not for something <laughs> especially for something as insignificant is a stupid song they're going to play in a post parade at a at a track where there's no people. Well, I, I think part of that is is kind of the uh, overall view of horse racing in general, where they don't want to change. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, we have these conversations about you know changing things and 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 improving them, improving upon certain aspects, getting the most out of out of what we have and horse racing is is hell-bent on not doing that and and it it just flows naturally to the betters you know i I see people all day talking on twitter about things that you know they'd like to see change but then on the on the other hand they're all for stuff staying the same so it's a little conflicting especially with this kind of thing where it's like all right man we can we can just get rid of that song nobody's gonna care really no one should care. Um, if, uh, I, right. I, I said on, on Twitter or, or on, on Facebook yesterday, if this bothers you, then you should... Re- uh, and, I, and it's, it's so bad I actually have to paraphrase myself. But, 
if this bothers you, you really should should like, cons- you know, like reevaluate your life. Like no one cares. This is like literally two minutes uh, in a race that not that many people care about, anyways. In a place where there's no fans, anyways, and it just is not a big deal. No one cares. If you care, if you if this is so important to you, that then I, I really have I, to just. I, can, I couldn't uh, tell you the last time I've ever heard anybody say, you know what, the Preakness. You know, it was it was okay. It was it was so so. But damn, that Maryland, my Maryland was was played to perfection. Well, you know the interesting part about this <laughs> this know? this guy's uh, diatribe was that in at the end, like it's about tradition and we shouldn't change things this and that. And then you know what the guy says? He goes, "We should move the Preakness to to Laurel." Oh boy! And I'm thinking to myself, hold on, you're for tradition. But the, the the track that's held the, the race for like 130 years or something, you want to you want to move it to there. Oh, you know maybe he wants to move it out of the neighborhood because he's afraid. But that's probably it. It's like have you missed the last like three or four years where there's been this battle royale between both the city of Baltimore, the state of Maryland, uh, and the Stronic Group because that's exactly what they wanted to do, and Baltimore freaked out because number one they'll lose a lot of revenue. And a lot of, uh, you know, the, the race generates a tremendous amount of, of, um, uh, of dollars uh, in. Do- mean, yeah, local it's local restaurants, hotels, sure. You know, the waterfront area, all that stuff. You know, it, it's 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 big money. Uh, and money an, uh, yeah, I mean, think just think on a normal day, on a normal Preakness day, not this year, but you have uh, you know, hundreds of thousand people, and it's just. Um, I just well, uh, not to mention the, the the concerts in in the infield. Right. I mean that that should tell you right there that the whole Maryland by Maryland thing is, is passe at this point, and they probably should get rid of it. It's just um, stupid. I mean, it's yeah. just stupid. Well, it's just stupid to, to cling on to it like it's really important, you know. And people say, "Well, nobody really knows the stanza." Oh, really? Well, if no one really knows it, then why do we need to keep it? It's just stupid and people like you you know you said something and it's funny because people say well you know we want our traditions well there's been no tradition of a trainer's training 250 horses and there's been no traditions of eliminating like every single non-stake or non-five claimer two-turn race and there's been no tradition of so many other things that have happened in this sport it's like the the Certain things trigger people, like the Belmont not being a mile and a half, and they just freak out like it's, you know, like the race doesn't count. And I'm saying to myself, yeah, it's nice the the way the Triple Crown was set up, and and there was no actual design; it just seemed to be that's how it happened. But it's like um, today, I think, or yesterday, or today, there was a article in the it was, it was more of an opinion piece kind of framed um like that in the tdn about maybe it's time to revamp the triple crown with the derby being first week in may the preakness the first week in uh june and and the belmont the first week in july and um of course they didn't really say anything about the fact that 
the betting handle was way down this year on that, on the Triple Crown races. But the betters are generally ignored anyways. But some of the reasoning was, um, I, I thought was, was, I mean, you you wind up with a Belmont, the, you know, July 4th weekend, and or, or, or lapping on or coming off of July 4th weekend a lot of um, a lot of the years and that's not going to be great for Naira um, you would have gaps because it's uh, of the differences in the calendar some weeks some years would be five weeks between the Preakness and the Derby, and there'd be four, you know, four weeks between the Preakness and Belmont, and other years it would be, you know, different. And I can already see the, the people like freaking out over this, and and I'm not like saying that um, I wouldn't be, I'd be completely opposed to changing the Triple Crown. I, I'd rather not, to be honest. I, I think. It's something that the business gets right. And I think personally, and this is a completely uneducated point of view, it's just a point of view of someone who's been following this for pretty much forever, <laughs> is is that the short term in between the races is beneficial um, from a, a PR publicity keeping the name of racing in the, you know, in the, in the, in the, uh, the modern sports world media, you know, mainstream eye by having it be close by, I think people, um, when they run the Preakness, the Derby winner's name is still on people's mind. It was two weeks before it was, you know, and so that week leading up to the Preakness, it's still fresh in people's mind. And the Belmont with the three week turnaround, it's still, it's still fresh in people's mind. And, you know we're a country that our attention spans are are shorter and shorter and stretching things out longer and longer may not be as as good of an idea as it might seem to people in the thoroughbred business who a lot of times are are pretty isolated and uh you know lack uh you know lack context of of the rest of the the sporting world um and to me, I, I mean, if I was going to be a proponent of that system of making it a first week, first week, first week, I think that it would be a gigantic wasted opportunity if you didn't create the undercard races having a tie into each other as well, where um, you could have... With a month between, because if you think about a lot of the undercard races, with two weeks between, very, very few horses who race on the undercard at Churchill Downs on Derby Day race back at Pimlico. Because for normal horses, the two-week um, turn back is, is just not, it's just not done for, for top stake horses outside of the Triple Crown. And and I think it's good to have something that's done that's outside of the norm, and it, it makes it um, you know different than than just the regular races, and and they are classic races, and but if you were gonna do that and you didn't tie in the turf 
the turf races for older boys, the uh, the, the three-year-old turf races, the, the, the sprints. The, I mean, every, everything should have a tie-in so that we wouldn't just have the familiarity of the horses in the big race, but the undercard races as well. Um, and of course, no one has said that, but you know, you and I have talked about having some sort of playoff NASCAR golf setup where you, you would have these um, kind of monthly events with points to be earned leading into the Breeders' Cup where you would kind of tie the races together. You would tether them to, to, to each other so that there's more uh, increased participation so that uh, horses could could actually have rivalries. And you would try to funnel the best horses into the best races so that we didn't have these horses continuously taking layups in uh, secondary races as as odds on favorites and of course then you know everybody fawns about them and says oh my god they're so wonderful because they just beat horses who they they oh you know completely overmatched by eight lengths i mean it, it just it it just needs and of of all the issues listen of all the issues in racing this isn't like a big one but it could make things better and if i'm a racetrack executive I'm not going to sit here and and just be 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 happy saying, well, yeah, I know handle was down half, but we didn't have a live crowd. You know, we got COVID and blah 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 blah. I would be like shitting myself and saying, oh, this is our biggest uh, event, <laughs> our most successful event, uh, the Triple Crown. That's it's our most successful series of races, and handles off by half. So I'm officially worried, <laughs> but um, you know, of course, this would take some coordination between the tracks, which yeah, that's a huge issue. Which they which don't ever want to work together, right? Which shouldn't be an issue. Um, but it 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 seems to be it is, um, but that that's how you make the sport better, and you know, you 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 bring the competitiveness back into the top of the of the game because the rest of it it's different story i mean when you're talking about the the claiming races and the allowance races and the the mundane wednesday thursday friday races it, it's it's a it's a different story than the the graded races you know there's 400 and something graded races a year and in rare exceptions they really have no relation to each other and yes, the California winter Phillies will have um, three races uh, over over three months or whatever that kind of you know they they they're running succession, but they don't really have anything that ties them to each other. It's where a guy's going to say, "Well, I'm not going to skip this middle one because I want to earn points to get the bonus." Or <sighs> yeah, that visa bonus was was kind of a good idea until. You know, they just, it, it, you know, like I think you said before, you know, people were skipping races just to to go to other races, and it, and it just didn't work out the way they planned it. The, um, well, the American Championship Horse Racing yes, Series, the, the championship yeah, series. It, it, it was, um, it was a great idea. It just, we didn't get the buy-in. Everybody needs to buy-in, and. And that, that's one of the biggest problems in the business. And 
when people tell me, oh, well, we need a czar. Well, yeah, every every everybody needs a czar. I need a czar of my life to, that would help me get, get the freaking dishes washed so they're not there and do my laundry and all that. But that's not going to probably happen. The thing is this, is that you can't, like you said, you can't make the tracks work together when they consider each other the enemy. The only time the tracks work together is to raise, uh, you know, the the takeout or I mean the the signal uh, fees, that's that's when they get together when when they want to when they want to squeeze everybody for a little bit more money, but um, uh, anyways changing course, um, we saw that Honor AP was uh, announced retired today, which I, I have to say of all the horses the higher profile three year olds, he would be. I would have said he would have been the most likely to have an early retirement because I've been questioning the the schedule on him essentially since the day he he showed up on the racetrack. He's had a extremely light, extremely um, uh, carefully kind of um, spaced out. Uh, campaign and, and I said um, Sid pointed out on Twitter I, I, I pointed it out yes this was a six race to Derby and, and that I had said this I think on our Derby preview that I, I was suspect that the horse ran really green I thought in the Los Alamitos race I think that um, it wasn't just he got a kind of a tough trip but he he seemed like he ran in spots he seemed like he was a little like once he got bumped, he, he really was like, like whoa, you know, like what 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 the hell, what do I, what do I do now? And Mike kind of moved him early, and he kind of, he just looked like a horse that that was lacking in experience, which he kind of was, and I just thought that it was, and, and listen, maybe it has nothing to do with his injury, which uh, has been reported as a tendon injury, um, and yes. Paco Lopez might be responsible. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Uh, I mean, listen, when you swerve and a horse like does that, that that's that's a time that you would think that a horse would could injure a, a tendon, and and no, it wouldn't prevent them from running well in the Derby. It's not like it's it's not a broken leg. It's a little bit. It, it's like having a, a a hole in your your tire, and. Uh, You'll make it home, but once you get home and and it sits there for a while, it, it'll it'll be flat the next day, and that's that's kind of like a tendon. They don't always just um, you know make them pull up or anything in the race. Horses will finish the race. The horses will win races on tendons, but um, uh, you know at this point, uh, I I believe it's it's really not a a very serious tendon injury, but. The problem with tendons are they're extremely hard to manage. They're they're very hard to predict. Um, when you have a, a broken bone and Dr. Bramlage looks at your x-rays and he does a surgery, then they, they look at the post-op and this and that, they have a, a pretty good idea of, of how good your horse is going to come back. Um, and the, the likelihood of re-injury is, is usually very, very low. But tendons are... are they're like crapshoots, and a lot of times the ones that, that aren't 
uh, really bad, don't look as bad, wind up never really healing properly. And sometimes the bad ones get a, a tremendous amount of scar tissue in there, and the scar tissue serves to kind of um, brace the tendon for, 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 yeah. Which, which usually will, you know, it, it will um, affect the horse's performance maybe just slightly, but at this point, if a horse has got a tendon injury, there's no chance that they're going to run this year again. And even a race like the Pegasus, if it's going to happen, because people forget Belinda put up the mil the, the $4 million or whatever the purse was, that was out of her pocket last year. That was not raised by fees and things like that. And I got to tell you, with the beating that racetracks have, have made, and, and there was another conversation on Twitter on Sunday about, you know, are racetracks going to just go fanless forever? And a lot of tracks, uh, Gulfstream, Churchill, uh, Del Mar, Keeneland, Saratoga, they make a ton of money on fans. One thing people have to remember is that any money bet uh, the handle, there's so many hands in the till that say you have 20% takeout on a race, just for math, right? The horsemen get their 7%, the track gets their 7%, the state gets their percent, the breeders get a little bit of piece, the, the HGPA gets a little tiny bit of piece, the this gets a piece, that gets a piece, the horse rescue gets a piece, uh, the jocks guild fund, or, you know, the, uh, there's, there's a lot of pieces that come out of that. When they sell a hot dog... They get it all. <laughs> if they make right. three bucks on the hot dog, they make three bucks minus whatever their expenses are. It's and like that shrimp cocktail at, uh, at Gulfstream. Yeah, the, the uh, markup on that is ridiculous, but it's yeah, 100%. Yeah, and they, I mean, they keep the money. So, yes, um, a lot of tracks like Belmont are, are money losers because Belmont's a gigantic facility and... Uh, um, Literally, no one goes anymore, which is sad. But a lot of tracks do pretty good, uh, um, and it's it's kind of short sighted. Uh, a place like Parks would definitely go without fans forever, probably if they could. But they don't care about racing, and they'd be just as happy to close. So they're a little bit of a different story in that. Uh, I mean, they're they're almost. Um, you know, they, they just don't care at all. I mean, they've never really made... They've never even really kind of uh, fought that notion. But um, most of the smaller tracks, you know, still do pretty good uh, on, on uh, parking and, uh, and all that other stuff. So, And if you're a slot track, well, you are already having security there. You're, you're, you're paying all the... Um, the liability insurance costs in case, you know, a guy trips and falls on a rug. You, you're already paying for the electric and, and, and the utilities and you have refreshments and things like that. So, so yeah, I, I don't think tracks are, are, are ready to um, just, you know, get rid of fans totally. But, uh, I mean, the trend, if you, every track that's been built recently is, uh, you look, look at the Meadowlands. I mean the the met the old Meadowlands grandstand is still up on the other side, 
of the track and it, it it's uh it dwarfs the the new meadowlands which is a nice facility and, it, and it's it's clean and, and i like it. it it's a nice place to go it's a nice track and and uh i'm not saying that anything negative but it's so much smaller go the gulf stream gulf stream if you look at old gulf stream yeah, people people that haven't seen the old Gulfstream don't realize how big it was, the grandstand and and how many um, you know it, it was it was a really big building and um, you know so many of these other tracks have have been replaced with with far far smaller places which is which makes sense of course because you know the the traditional attendance on a day to day basis just isn't there but um I don't, I don't see tracks kind of like doing that i really think that they um at least the tracks that are still interested in racing they still they still generate enough revenue that uh, they're not willing to throw people out i don't i don't believe that at all but uh but we'll see we'll see what happens and i mean it is kind of not to be political but it it does seem odd that um you can go to the aqueduct casino but you might not be able to go to the aqueduct track even though they're the yeah, same that's, that's really strange the same uh, place that's like saratoga the harness track is they're 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 allowed to open uh they're going to be running i think they today they're going to said they're going to run afternoon cards on mondays and tuesdays and people can go in the casino but they can't bet the race. They can't go to the races, which, which seems wrong. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what other word you would you would use, but it just seems wrong. It's going to the racetrack is no more dangerous than going to Walmart. It's no more dangerous than going to the casino. It's no more dangerous than going to a restaurant. It's no more dangerous than going anywhere. And it's not as though racetracks are. Um, you know, teeming with people these days, and uh, certainly if you put a restriction, a number restriction, it could it could be met rather easily in most locations, most days. But right, with masks and you know what have you, uh, you know. So, it, like you said, it probably wouldn't be that difficult. Like I, I can understand what was going on back in March. In yeah. April where nobody knew what to do, to be no. honest. No, no and one. Now no we're one. kind of living with it, and things are, are starting to, you know, get normalized, so to speak, where the mass thing is, is is becoming, you know, just a way of life, at least for the time being. So, I, I you know, as long as people wore masks and, and kind of did the right things, especially in an outdoor event like horse racing, for the most part, um, you know. I don't see why they wouldn't have at least a limited amount of fans. But then again, you know, the weather's going to turn a lot of places like Aqueduct where it's all indoors and it could create problems, but we don't know that yet. So it's, it's kind of one of those hard situations where they're trying to head off something that may or may not happen. No, it's just unusual that, that racetracks are, are, are kind of, um, singled out in that uh the, the restaurants indoor restaurants in new york are allowed to open to 25 percent capacity and in a, in a restaurant you are certainly more likely to be in a smaller confined space than at 
aqueduct where you wouldn't want to be getting close to many of the people that go there on a regular basis anyways but um it's it's yeah it's just different everywhere and that's kind of part of the issue too where you know you have different legislators in different states doing different things you can sit at the Meadowlands in the grandstand (laughs) and see New York City like very very well I mean and and you know over there, you can't go to the track, but over uh, on the, the Jersey, Jersey side, side, you can. And it, it starts to get a little bit, uh, I think people are getting... Frustrated. They're frustrated. People are, are getting to start to, to, to ask these questions, and uh, I don't know, who knows. It's just, right, it's, it's just uncharted territory for everybody. So, I, you know, as much as people want to get on the legislators and whoever making these decisions it's it's never easy i i can't say i envy them in the least bit because of the flack they'll get for doing things and not doing other things um but you know it, like you said it, it just seems rather odd that uh horse racing is kind of playing the odd man out on a lot of things you know which is like you said strange and and it's almost you know you have to think about it a little bit deeper and be like well maybe it is the tracks like people were saying like maybe the tracks don't want people so quick to come back um i don't think so personally i think it's just a matter of you know educating the people that are making these decisions on how this really works i I think really the two major the two major areas would be new york and kentucky and in New York, it, it's certainly the governor does not like racing. He never has liked racing. And, I mean, personally, if he fell off the the, the bridge his father's named after, I, I would I would throw, you know, I wouldn't throw him a life preserver at all. He, he could flow right down the river. That guy's worthless to me. But, you know, Kentucky, you know, the governor there is, is a pansy. And he's afraid of his own shadow. And he was telling people that, you know, oh, my God, if you go to the beach, you're going to die. And all, all this nonsense. But certainly, um, those governments have been extraordinarily... Um, uh, they've taken extreme measures more than other states. Where in Florida, it's more of a... Um, I mean, we don't. Go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we only have one track open at this point. Uh, I guess we get the dog tracks open, but the dog tracks were taking that people. They were taking people like months and months and months ago. Well, the one in Jacksonville, they have a casino. Yeah. So, you know, so that. Well, and that's kind of the thing is like, all right, if I go to the racetrack, and I walk in the casino, I'm okay. But if I walk over on the racetrack side, I'm not okay, which just seems kind of um strange it's strange yeah there's you're, you're talking about two <laughs> this you're, you're talking about a the same facility it, and it's just um i, I don't know what the deal with pompano is going to be because they open up in in october and um i guess we could ask gabe if he if he has any idea what's going to go on and uh congratulations to gabe pruitt who um does an unbelievable job uh with Sciota closing, the handle was uh, 
with with fewer days of racing, I think they did fifty five million this year. Last year they did eighteen. So yeah, man, he he, he makes miracles happen, bro. It it's I mean, perfect kudos proof to him because he's doing a great job. I made a, a Facebook post about it, essentially saying, and uh, the thoroughbred tracks could learn a lot from this because Gabe is was is has um engaged with people on social media and he's not a shill he believes what he says he understands the gambler's aspect because that's how he got in the game and he knows what what works and what doesn't work he works extremely hard i've seen him personally with his his little six seven tv setup moving post times up and back and trying to you know get off of uh, the bigger signals so they don't go off at the same time and uh, you know works works very very hard at it but it, it goes to show you that that with positive social media experience and uh, a positive betting menu that that's set up not to just fleece your customers uh, with jackpot bets uh, and things like that and um, an enthusiasm, and good racing, and and the racing at Scioto is is actually, you know, it's it's a harness track. It's it's pretty competitive, and there's some good drivers. There's a lot of good trainers there, and like guys like me, I, I would have probably never even looked at it again until he was there, and I looked at it and I started saying, you know, these, these races are pretty good, and if you're a B level, and and listen, he's not going to go to uh, Saratoga, and next year they're going to handle you know two billion dollars, but. There's so many fundamental things that he was able to get done, and this is complete conjecture on my part. I haven't talked to him about this, but um, I think in some ways it's just the casinos don't really micromanage uh, the racetracks at all. They just don't want to spend any money on them, and as long as he wasn't spending money, it wasn't going to cost him anything. However, he wanted to rearrange things. I think they let him do it, and and it's it's proven uh, at Pompano where the handle's gone up, uh, like basically doubled, and at Sciota where we're almost tripled, and it just goes to show you that the fundamentals. It's like it's crazy, you know, the fundamentals, but the fundamentals of 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 the way racing cards are set up, and and like I see, I said the. The, the way he sets up the the wagers so they don't they're not redundant and they don't go over the top of each other and they don't kind of work against each other and uh, and I, I think the other thing is enthusiasm and enthusiasm for a product and not shilling a bad product when the card's not good he says it's not good when the race is not good right. he says it's not good and I think uh, one of the keys with him you know and his success is he managed to get track management to, to listen to him well i think he um, did because he was making them more money right yeah and and, and they gave him a shot without costing yeah. money and that's the thing is like if when when you start to make money without spending money right. that, like who's not going to listen to who's not going to listen to that and, and i think that is something that a lot of thoroughbred tracks miss the boat on and, and it's such a copycat um copycat world over here with oh, us and man, and, and I, I think that you know we got two major tracks running on 
Saturday, and and what happens? They run their million dollar races at the same at the same time, and it's like you you just look and you shake your head because there's no excuse for that. There's none. You have to be aware. I don't care if it's your biggest day. Uh, if you're not Churchill Downs on their biggest day, everybody else has to be pay attention to to what else is going on. And if you don't, then then it's it's your fault. And I think that that's that's uh, I think Gabe is to be commended, and and I really wish that um, that thoroughbred tracks would 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 pay more attention to that and pay less attention to the a lot of the nonsense that they do pay attention to. But yeah, well, that that kind of brings me to to a point where uh, you know it's tough to do that because you know, like you said, Gabe isn't a shill he's gonna tell like it is and do the things necessary on the thoroughbred side it's almost the complete opposite where anybody that has that sort of pull or uh kind of name recognition so on and so forth is a shill and and they're you know they're gonna side with the tracks on everything and and yes them the death and there's no uh you know, dissension among the decision makers. It's all a, a group think of yes, 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 yeah, that's great, sounds good. You know, nobody in that room saying something different. You know, Ed DeRosa said something on Twitter on uh, Sunday, I believe, and it was concerning the way racing is marketed. And he's right in that it's almost they've shamed people that own cheaper horses and claiming horses, that it's such a uh, big event-orientated lifestyle. And it, it's just these, these especially these groups selling horse horses now, like West Point has determined that, um, smartly probably, that they're tired of answering questions about the investment side of, of getting involved in, in one of their horses because they almost all lose money. And... If you have 25 horses and, and 22 of them lose money at, at a given year, uh, because remember, those horses, they've got to be extra good because it's not just you own the horse. You own the horse, and you're carrying that horse, its expenses, and management, and their fees, which, of course, they need to make a living. They're, they're doing not working for free, but in a world where very few, a very small percentage of horses actually pay their way, you're you're handicapping yourselves a little more. So what they've they've turned it into, and and this is this is their business model, and it's fair. I I, I don't have any. I actually I have less problem with that than I do with the my racehorse thing, which is you're, you're you know you're not really owners. Guy owns five percent of a West Point horse. He's an actual owner, but um not to get into that whole deal, but 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 Ed's point was that we're trying to sell a lifestyle that doesn't exist ninety percent of the time. Maybe more, 95% of the time at racetracks. When you go to Laurel on Thursday, when you go to any of, any of the New York tracks, when you go to when you go to Saratoga on a Wednesday, it's not all that, that you know, right. Um, you know, most of the racing we have is not fancy. It's not uh, some wonderful lifestyle. It, it, that That is kind of... 
geared towards people with Saturday afternoon horses, which is fine. But the whole industry can't have Saturday and uh, Saturday afternoon horses, and and that's the 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 one of the errors of people thinking that the my racehorse concept is going to only be positive. It's not. It's well, not. You know that that actually kind of put the full circle or back around to the whole tradition thing with the marketing and how uh, the sport kind of angles that way it's 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 a tradition thing you know the sport of kings um and you know they don't really think about like you said those those day-to-day guys that go there to the track to you know spend a little time once they get off of work or you know the blue collar types um that don't get their just due for their support to the sport in general um whether it's on the backside or the front side, you know, with betters and, and things, they don't get their just due. And, and I think that it's kind of glazed over. Even the history of, of horse racing in general is glazed over, you know, going back into the 1800s. Um, I think it's just something that the sport in general is used to doing, and they got to break that habit because it's costing them in the long run. Yeah, and, and I don't want people to think like, if you bought a share of the My Race horse, and, and I understand they have horses other than the horse that won the Kentucky Derby, if you won, and, and you want to feel like you, you you're a part of it, because I guess in some way you are in in a, in a very 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 small way. My my issue isn't with them. It's not with the people that bought it. My my issue is with the people in the industry that don't ask the questions that need to be asked and, and that, that will just come out with these blanket statements, oh, this is great, it's going to get more people involved. But if the only involvement they have is giving their money to rich guys, really, really rich guys, and... Like really rich. Really rich, right. If, if that's their involvement, then then how is that going to help everybody else? It's like saying that uh, in the... NBA, the salary cap, we're just going to get rid of it and say this way, you know, teams can spend more, as much money as they want trying to build their, their, their team. Yeah, well, except now the rich teams and the teams in the big markets will have every good player because the other teams won't be able to afford them. So you're not helping the league. You're just helping a certain select franchises. And that's what Correct. this is doing. You're helping Bob Baffert. You're helping Wayne Hughes. Uh, you're, you're helping Jack Wolf. You're helping... Saul Kuman, you're helping uh, whoever else goes and invests with horses with them, and it's not like they've done anything wrong and everything is legal, and I, I get all that, and and I'm not like saying this is the end of the world, but no. it's not good because <laughs> I don't want to say it's not good. It is, it is, and it it's just siphoning more money away from where it needs to be invested. If you could get, if you told me, listen, you can get $2 billion of people investing in racehorses or $2 billion people betting on racehorses. People in the industry would say, well, we, we, we want, we want that, that, that billion dollars invested in whole racehorses because people are invested and then this and that. And they, they, they forget that the people who are sure. betting on the racehorses are, are creating the income for that. And never... 
this year is is probably when we look back is going to be a a turning point because the truth of the matter is that going forward the idea that we're going to leave 2020 or or the next couple years because sometimes the legislative things take take a while but we're not going to retain that same portion of uh of revenue that from the game, you know, alternate sources of gaming that we came into this year with. It, it's going to go. It's going to be taken away. And and let me, um, Barry, let, let me hold up one second, and uh, we'll, we'll take a. Uh, we'll, we're going to take a commercial break. There probably won't be any commercials, but this is what we have to do. All right, you got it. Well, Barry and I went ahead and taped the second half of the show. And due to some technical difficulties, the show did not, the audio did not uh, save correctly. Therefore, we talked for about 45 more minutes, and it's not taped. So, this will be the end of the show, and we will talk... uh, about some of the things we talked about next week on next week's Big Monday show. Thank you for listening, and I appreciate uh, everyone that does listen. We have tomorrow, um, of course it's already late, so tomorrow is probably already tomorrow, but we have tomorrow's Tuesday's uh, Going in Circles live show from 3 to 4.30, unless we feel the need to run over like we did last week um so we have uh we have that that's on blog talk radio and will be on the regular distribution network but i do appreciate everyone who does listen and uh please feel free to uh provide any kind of feedback you'd like good bad negative positive going in circles podcast at gmail.com or You could send to me directly on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. But um, again, appreciate uh, all the listeners that uh, have listened and and provided input, uh, called in and or left uh, ideas or questions or anything. Thank you.